And Chair Riley, I have um, initiated our recording sequence and good afternoon. Good afternoon, EDAC members. This meeting has been held pursuant to section three of executive order N2920 issued by Governor Newsom on March 17, 2020 and executive order N-08 dash 21 issued by governor newsom on june 11th 2021 the regular meeting of the economic development advisory committee will be conducted telephonically through zoom and it's been broadcast live on our city's website thank you serge um this is tom riley the chair of the economic development advisory committee thank you all for your time today uh those of you that are um on our committee, those of you that are liaisons, those of you as city staff, and of course, those of you in our community who are joining our exciting meeting today. So thank you for everyone's involvement in support of beautiful Sausalito. Uh, we got a great agenda today. I just set expectations. Um, we, are, we have a short update on our city marketing project. Uh, We're going to try to close out on our strategy to curate and recruit desired businesses. Uh, so that should be a very good discussion. We have a special guest speaker, uh, Lily Willen, our community development director, who's going to give us an update on improvements to be made, being made in our permit and planning department. Uh, and then we're going to talk about diversification. I do want to leave time at the end of this agenda to talk about future projects we can take on. And in the agenda under item 8A, which is future agenda items, is a list of 30 recommendations that we've gotten uh, for the land economic study from Cosmo. And we use that list to kind of prioritize our efforts this past year. And I thought it was a good time to revisit that list. Maybe we could have a discussion time permitting at the end. With that, I'd like to ask Serge to do roll call, please. And we can commence our meeting. Bob Lalane. Here. John DeRay. Present. Rachel Danielle Stott. Present. Chris Gallagher. Malcolm Morgan. Here. Walter Lemmerman. Here. Monica Finnegan. Here. Don Daglow. Here. Teresa Ancona. Present. Cass Green. Present. And Chair Riley. Present. Thank you. At this point, um, before we go into our business items, I'd like to ask if there are any comments from the public for items that are not on the agenda. And Serge, maybe you can give the public instructions on how to participate. Sure. At this time, video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when it's your time to speak. To raise your hand from a phone, press start nine and each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. Chair Riley, at this point, I, I see no hands raised. Thank you. So uh, at this point, we're going to approval of the minutes um, those were distributed earlier. Have they, were they posted to the agenda? I saw them distributed via email. 
Chair Riley, the minutes were not posted um, last week and they came in uh, late today, um, did not allow enough time for staff or public to review, but we can post them for the next agenda. Okay, that's, I, I saw them just through an email, uh, since they weren't posted to the agenda, we will approve those minutes uh, at the next meeting. So thank you for that. We'll move on to our business items. Uh, the first business item, 4A, is a resolution we need to adopt to allow us to continue to have meetings in this format because of the ongoing um, COVID variant. Um, I don't know if, it, Serge, if you want to give a summary of the staff report that was presented, and do we need a vote on this resolution? Um, Chair Riley, yes, we will need to adopt the resolution. I don't have enough background to give um, um, a summary, but I can help you read the resolution if you'd like me to. Well, I don't think we need to read it. I, I read it, I don't know if others have, but basically, um, we need to adopt this resolution so that we as a group continue to meet uh, telephonically via this format and we allow um, you know the residents in the community to join us in this format. Um, the attachment that's in the staff report is a resolution that would be signed by Teresa as our secretary. Um, and so what we can do is see if there's any questions from um, EDAC members about meeting this format. I see Cass has a question. Uh, I think, me, well, especially since I live in Berkeley, I think meeting in this format is great. But on the other hand, it would be nice to have a person-to-person -person meeting. Um, you know, maybe we do this once every six months, once every year, um, but like, there's so many of you that I still haven't met in person. <laughs> So that would be a, a nice thing to do sometime. Great. I, I'm about to take a quick poll and just see what about the time slot. It, the mid-afternoon is really hard for me to get to these meetings. Is there any uh, other opinion on moving it to a later slot? Maybe start at four instead of start at two. Or go three to five instead of two to four. We see a show of thumbs. So let's let's do this, Malcolm. Um, why don't we, at the end of this, when we set our next meeting, why don't we discuss at that time when's a good uh, hour? So let's finish up on this resolution at this point in the agenda. But thank you for that, Malcolm. I'll make a note. Um, time and date. Okay. Um, well, I'd like to make a motion that uh, we agree to continue meeting in this format, uh, that we approve our secretary signing the uh, resolution, and um, until said time when we can meet in person and respect Cass's uh, role, hopefully that is sooner than later. I'll second that. Very good. Um, Serge, can you take a roll call, please? Sure, would you like to take um, public uh, comment oh. before we move ahead with uh... You are so correct. So um, on item 4A, our plan to adopt a resolution to allow us to continue meeting in this format, 
uh, we just discussed, and I'd like to see if there's any public comment. Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Thank you, Serge, for keeping me honest. Um, all right, if you can do a um, roll call on that vote, please. ADAC member Lalane? Yes. ADAC member DeRay? Yes. ADAC member Stwad? Rachel? Uh, yes. ADAC member uh, Morgan? Yes. ADAC member Lemmerman? Yes. ADAC member Finnegan? Yes. ADAC member Daglo? Yes. ADAC member Ancona? Yes. Vice Chair Green? Yes. And Chair Riley? Yes. Motion um, passes. Great. And, sir, just a one correction. On our roll call in the agenda, uh, Rachel's last name continues to have a misspelling. So um, if you can correct it, it's S-T-A-U-D-T. Um, makes it easier to pronounce, too. Yeah. I will take care of that. I apologize. Yeah. No worries. Okay, so now we're going to move on to item 4B. And item 4B is the city marketing project, uh, which is centered around our CDA contract. Um, Scott Thornburg would normally give this update, but he's unable to join us today. He's uh, fortunately enjoying some good time with his family. Um, so here's, uh, I'm going to give a brief update, and then uh, we can have a discussion. Uh, and we'll open it up to um, public comment as well. So the good news, uh, thanks to our city manager and uh, Heidi's great work uh, and our city attorney, uh, we have concluded and we have executed the contract with CDA. Um, yes, that's exciting. Um, it's a two-year engagement uh, for $74,000 per year. Uh, and we are now just commencing that. Now, here's um, what we had hoped was that this would have been done sooner so that at this meeting, CDA would show up and present their initial kickoff plan. But since we just got that assigned um, at the end of last week, they haven't had time to prepare. So we're going to have, we're going to feature them at our next EDAC meeting. Um, and their deliverable will be, what is their revised marketing plan? So they have met with EDAC on several occasions, uh, several members of the EDAC. They've met with city staff. They've met with our city council liaisons. They've gotten a lot of input. And we want them to come and present their two-year plan, which is strategy, objectives, milestones, and how we're going to measure it, as well as tactically what they're working on. Um, what I'd like to do, if everyone's comfortable, is have our marketing subcommittee start working with them, you know, this week on immediate deliverables. And the immediate deliverables are basically start focusing on events and activities we have in the winter, upcoming winter season to bring guests into our town that are the types of guests we want uh, around our events and help, you know, kind of our off season and start uh, promoting our town here for the off season and help our, our businesses. Um, so we wanna kind of get that work started and engage with them. 
So that four weeks from now, some of those projects may be just starting underway and we have a more informed discussion. Um, and you know, one of our strategies is how do we bring regional visitors or overnight visitors to our town during the off season? Because the off season is around the corner, we want to get started on that. So um, I'd like to pause there and see if just there's any questions about the contract we put in place or what our near term objectives are. Well, I have a question. Uh, who is going to be responsible for uh, looking at the metrics um, and and measuring the success? Will it be the subcommittee, the marketing subcommittee, or is there a point person, or who's been assigned to kind of like the point person for CDA? Yeah. So I mean, I always think you know work, um, considering we're all kind of you know volunteers here. But it's our expectation that CDA will do the measurements. Right, and they will they will track the results. So they'll set the goals, and we'll track against them. Um, our marketing subcommittee uh, is going to be the interface to them on a regular basis. And in particular, we're leaning a lot on Scott Thornburg as this is his area of expertise. And then, on a monthly basis, we will have a report out to EDAC on here's what we did, and here's the results, and here's what's coming forward, and here's what we expect. And I think we want to get into that rhythm. And I'll just throw in a lot of the data that uh, represents the online side of what we'll track, obviously tax revenues and things like that are saying that we track through the city. A lot of the online data that Scott has the particular expertise in tracking is readily available uh, publicly or through uh, services that are fairly routine processes. So gathering that data uh, in in this era is is relatively simple compared to what it was at one time. Any other questions or comments? Yes, John Dray. Uh, thanks, Tom. Um, several months ago, I brought up, uh, I guess, a question as to whether uh, CDA, besides driving guests to our retail and restaurant businesses, which is very much needed, um, would they be able to also perhaps drive um, customers to our maritime service businesses? And I never really heard much back uh, from that. Um, uh, so I'm just wondering if that's at all part of the plan or if that's beyond their capability. And so uh, the quick answer is no, it needs to be part of our plan. But let's let's kind of go back to our what we've set as our priorities. And I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm going to do this from top of head. So hopefully this is crisp. As far as visitors to town, we want them focused on bringing in um, regional visitors. So marketing to our local residents and the local regional community who build a loyalty and affinity to our businesses, and that's businesses of all types. Secondly, we want help in our off-season in bringing overnight visitors to our town in the off-season. So that's another priority. And that's where I love the work that the Chamber is doing. The Chamber is already doing this great outreach to kind of visitors, and we're now uh, subsidizing that work as a city. Um, third, in the Marin ship, we want to understand the businesses that we can help bring customers to 
And now also as part of this marketing, we need to market to new prospective tenants, both in the rentship and our retail. We need to market Sausalito as a place that's open for business and attracting the right businesses. And that's part of our strategy to do the curation, both um, in our retail sector and our industrial and maritime sector. So that's how I see kind of our sequence of priorities with CBA. Um, and we as a team need to get very crisp on which of those objectives are driving which, which programs and how we use those funds properly. Other comments or questions? All right, this is, I mean, this is great to be at this milestone. It's great to have a professional firm for the first time uh, marketing Sausalito as a, a great place to have an experience. Um, and it'll be a big part of our next meetings to meet with CDA and to understand their plan and for us to give them feedback and make sure it is focused up, has the right priorities and also well balanced across our needs. So at this time, I'd like to open up for public comment on business item 4B, which was our discussion on the city parking project. Um, and I see we have two um, folks raising their hands. So Serge, can you um, provide the microphone to Sandra, please? Sure. Sandra, please go ahead and start your comment. Good, good afternoon, everybody. I have a question about the CDA contract. Is that what you're talking about now, or did you not already have public comment on that? And I blinked and missed no, it. This is the right time to comment. Okay, all right. Uh, I have a question. How is CDA gonna control the variable of normal COVID recovery from, and, and segregate that from the impact of their work? In other words, how do we know increased business is not due just to the normal course of events as we recover from uh, COVID-19? Thank you. Okay, I don't know if anyone has a informed answer for that. Scott Thornburg is not with us, nor is CDA. So Sandra, we can, we can discuss that at our next meeting when we have CDA with us, but I think it's a very good question. Our next speaker is Vicki Nichols. Vicki, you've been asked to unmute yourself and to start your video. Thank you, Serge. Hello, EDAC. Um, I just had a similar question as Sandra. This is Vicki Nichols. Um, I'm wondering if these goals will be published because uh, unfortunately I'm not able to always attend your meetings. I know you take care of some real meaty stuff, but I'm sure the community would be interested in these goals uh, and what you're trying to achieve. This has been um, a, you know, a problem in Sausalito for years and you guys are finally trying to tackle it. That's great. Um, I also wonder how uh, to expand on Sandra's um, point um, without this sort of benchmark economic figures. For instance, I'll get specific on the restaurants on Caledonia Street. There's no way to measure how there's been an improvement or not with the street closures and the other things. This has been brought up in city council meetings. This was requested by one of the city council people. And I'm gonna to come to you and say it, since you're charged with the economic vitality, that this needs to be a part of all these discussions or we're really not able to measure a difference. And I, and I you know, keep hearing, oh, it's been successful. 
that's not what it visually shows um, tangibly when you look at the street. So we really need some numbers here. And I think um, without it, there's some skepticism. I think you can clear that up by working with uh, Charlie Francis. We don't care, you know, restaurant by restaurant. Let's just give it the whole block, the four restaurants that are really, you know, driving the Caledonia project. And I'm wondering why the other restaurants along the way are not included. So maybe they opted out. I think those things would help us understand when they when this comes before the council it's it, it feels like a disconnect between sponsoring more economics and then uh looking at permitting different activities there's no way to gauge is there a problem there what is the problem what assistance have the businesses already been given um to look at the whole picture it would sure help the residents thanks so much thank you vicky um and just on that my perspective uh, kind of with Sandra, we do need to have a, a way of measuring the return on the investments or decisions with city make. And it's hard to do that when, you, you know, measuring against a COVID year, everything looks great. So we have to come up with what's our baseline. We go back two years and set a baseline on how we want to measure things against. Uh, to Vicky's comments, it'd be nice to see how are the restaurants doing now versus pre-COVID and kind of get that analysis and does street parking departments help them or not? Um, and Bob, this is a good time for discussion post public comments. So you're welcome to speak, please. So Tom, uh, most retail leases, particularly food, have a percentage rent provision in their lease where the restaurant tenants required to give the landlord a monthly percentage of gross sales. And are they above or, or behind their base rent and does the percentage kick in we can't get that information um the only way to get that is if the restaurants are giving that data to their landlord maybe we could ask the landlord but i'm assuming all of these businesses are filing their gross receipts with the city and perhaps the city could bucket you know confidentially the uh tenants on caledonia and they can you know, Mark, where where were the gross receipts from the strategic businesses on Caledonia in 19 versus last year versus this year versus 22? As a thought. Well, so I agree with that. So maybe one of the things we can do prior to our meeting with CBA next meeting is maybe one of our subcommittees can discuss what are the metrics we want to compare both pre-COVID and post-COVID to measure our recovery as a city? And that can be taxes, it can be occupancy rates. I mean, there's a number of things it could be. It could be what are lease rates is your sharing problem. Um, but as we now start focusing on you know, making investments, and driving change, we're doing this to accelerate our recovery. And we should come up with some metrics that we can start measuring to see if we are having the impact. We <laughs> Would everyone be comfortable with that? Yes, Cass. I mean, obvi a real obvious one is going to be the TOT. Yes. That's that's public. It measures. So it, that that I think that's the most obvious. Well, in the TOT, you know, with our efforts to drive off-season visitors to the hotels, we can now start comparing off-season from two years ago to off-season what we can do with our efforts. 
Okay, um, I see Julie has her hand up. Julie? Um, one thing that we can measure by is if I have my percentages correct from being on BAC and hospitality before, between 2018 and 2019, there was a 33% drop in ridership on the um, ferry. So maybe if we average 2018, 2019 receipts, kind of average between the two years, we can kind of get an idea of how the recovery is going because we know there was a significant drop between 2018 and 2019 in visitors as far as ridership. So if we average those two years, we might be able to, now I believe it was 33%. I can go back and look in all my notes from um, BAC, but that might be a way that we can average those two years and then kind of compare to this year and also with our advertising and everything is average the two years and see how we're comparing in 2021 and 2022. That would be great. I think that makes good sense. Uh, city manager. Yeah, just to the point of information, um, as you know, the residents and businesses pay taxes to the city and the city takes that and turns that into a consulting contract with a group called HDL, Henderson Delighter and Lamas. They provide TOT and sales tax data to the penny uh, and so if you send us the specific data you want, what is not proprietary, uh, we'll ask them to get for the group. Good. And thank they, you. they go back years, uh, Chair, Chair Riley, as you know. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, I think what we'll do is um, we'll have the subcommittee on this project agree on metrics that we'd like to measure and what our baseline time frame is. And then we can start tracking those. And I think uh, from what um, our tax firm that Chris just talked about can provide to what the chamber may have access to on ferry riders. Quite frankly, we'd all like to see, you know, rental bikes drop, but we should get the numbers on rental bikes, right? And <laughs> start understanding, you know, where, where the people are coming from. Um, and then we can get fine grain on things like TOT that Cass had suggested. So, um, I think that'd be a good list to, to track. So thank you, Vicki and Sandra, also for facilitating that conversation or kicking us off. Um, City Manager Chris, you have your hands up. Is it from before or do you have another comment? Okay, it's from, from before. All um, right. Uh, Tom, I had, I had one other point I yeah. wanted to make briefly. The, uh, in response to Sandra's comment about nor differentiating uh, normal recovery from COVID versus uh, uh, things that are caused by our actions, which I think is a really good point to raise. One of the things we have to remember is that we, when it comes to the kinds of visitors we're after, um, we are in competition with other local venues. And so if we do nothing, it isn't just a matter of having a normal recovery. We've got uh, other cities, San Rafael is a great example, who are exceptionally aggressive and proactive about trying to pull people in. So we actually face not only the question of what's a normal COVID recovery, what are we doing, but also what are the impacts of campaigns that other cities are doing and how do we offset that? So that's another part of the mix. And I think Scott Thornburg, when he comes back, will be able to comment on that as well, 
but it just makes the equation that much more complex. I think you're right, Don, but you know what's interesting in Julie's comment about ferry ridership made me think of bike rentals. So we as a committee are going to do nothing to encourage more bike rentals to come to the city. But they're going to recover on their own pace. Yep. And that might be a barometer for the natural COVID recovery yep. of just looking at the, the bike riders and how are they coming back. And that could be our, say that recovers at 90% of what it was two years ago. Yet our city is recovered to 105%. We could say, boy, our efforts have helped outpace the natural. So let's put some minds to think through how we can measure that. Yep. No, that makes sense. I, isn't it great that we could use the bike renters for a positive idea like this? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, with any other comments uh, from the committee members, we already had public comment on this item on the city marketing project and what we want to get done uh, the coming months. Yes, uh, Julie. So I just wanted to kind of reiterate a marketing opportunity that we missed because it's, it's too late. I just covered for our employee to go on lunch break. So everybody that came into the visitor center, I asked them if they were here for Fleet Week. None of them even knew it was Fleet Week coming up. So that is a missed opportunity for Sausalito to really get out there and promote that this is a great place to stay for Fleet Week. And I mean, that was such a missed opportunity. So if we would have had CDA in place, we could have really ramped up Fleet Week. But none of them knew anything about Fleet And one of them was staying in San Francisco and didn't know it was Fleet Week. So that's such an opportunity for next year for us to really be on track to promote Fleet Week. We did. We actually to observe this coming weekend uh, because in our other discussions, we have felt that Fleet Week is like one of our busiest weekends of the year. Um, and I think Cass has shared that the hotel's always full on that weekend. Um, so it is something to observe this year and see if it's something next year that needs emphasis, right? Some of our marketing dollars or not, we put it elsewhere. But I heard the jets go by earlier today, so they're, they're ramping up. Okay. Um, so with that, I'm going to suggest we move on. Oh, I have John DeRay like to make a comment. Uh, thanks, Tom. Just one other quick follow-up comment from my previous comment. Um, let's keep in mind that when it comes to yacht sales, um, the sale of one yacht, and maybe Malcolm can comment on this a little bit, but it seems like the, the sales tax on one yacht versus uh, sales tax on dozens of dinners or a room, um, a hotel room, TOT, you know, it, it's it's really significant. So again, I would um, just try and stress the idea that driving people to Sausalito, um, marketing the maritime aspect of Sausalito could be a huge benefit uh, from tax revenue to, uh, to our town. And with that, John, one of the projects we, we are working on is to actually encourage an annual boat show yes. in Sausalito, right? Uh, and we've talked to a couple of the co-broker, boat brokers and um, marine businesses, and we're trying to get that off the ground. Yeah. But I would agree with you. Yeah, okay. we, you know, one of our highlights of tax revenues during COVID was the increase in yacht sales. And I think our tax revenues were up like 120% uh, that year 
just from selling boats. So good work, Malcolm. <laughs> trying. <laughs> We're trying as hard <laughs> as we can. All you have to do is sell one of those big ones. Um, all right, before we move on to item 4C, any other comments? Thank you. I think we've got our marching orders for CDA and some good good things to report on our next meeting. So thank you for that. Right, item 4C is um, uh, recruiting desired businesses. This is our effort to curate our businesses. And this is focused on our retail merchant businesses right now, but to curate these businesses so that they're geared more towards local community uh, and residents and the you know, regional community um, versus the day tourist, right? And all we can do is put our best foot forward to curate them. But um, I know that some of our members have an update after talking to brokers about that effort. So I believe, Monica, you'll provide an update? Sure. I'll, I'll start and, and Bob will finish with a home run, I'm, I'm sure. Um, of course, we did the survey, and all of you had seen that from our last meeting, where the top uh, 10 uh, store specific stores of interest were listed. What's interesting about that is every single one of those stores is a formula retail um, operation. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move into the discussion. Last week, um, Bob and I met with several brokers as we uh, determined they would be a good source of information on uh, retail and discussing the survey, et cetera. And we had quite a lengthy discussion. A lot of it uh, is information we already know, but some of it I think is information that we need to pay attention to and try to um, find some remedy for. They talked uh, at length about how difficult it is to do business here and some of the zoning and permitting challenges and made a contrast between Sausalito and the five other communities in Southern Marin being Larkspur, Larkspur Landing, Tiburon, Main Street, uh, the Larkspur shops near Perry's and the Tam Junction and how successful all of those cities have been in recruiting and um, attracting new tenants to their locations during COVID, before and during COVID. And it really is a kind of a great example. What we decided we would try to do, and we're trying to work on it right now, is to organize a tour for our city liaison, I mean our uh, EDAC liaisons, and city manager if he would accompany us and go visit with the particular broker who has a lot of insight, Matt Holmes, who's based here in Sausalito, and have a uh, driving and talking tour to have a good example of how we mix and compare with those particular cities. And I think it will be a very informative um, two-hour tour, uh, assuming we can find a date that everybody would, would like to um, participate. So we also talked a little bit about incentives. And I think some of the incentives that we have recommended involve some abatement of um, permitting or other city fees that a new tenant and a new prospect, prospective tenant would, would be faced with. And also some ideas and incentives around more rapid review and rapid re uh, approval 
and revisiting some of the zoning. And this is where I'd like Bob to step in and talk about this because he's pretty passionate about the zoning issues and the CUP uh, restrictions that the city uh, imposes on some of the tenants. So unmute there you yeah, go okay um so matt matt holmes who his office i think is above uh no name bar uh, retail west he has been the a a major go-to retail broker in the bay area for 30 years and i had actually forgotten that it's headquarters is here in sausalito so he knows sausalito really well as a matter of fact i think he was part of a team that put in a proposal uh last week for the uh b of a building um he, uh, he brought up two examples of retailers that um, he was trying to get into downtown that were along the lines of the, you know, Salty or uh, Carl. They were, you know, unique shoe store, et cetera. And um, he got boxed out within moments because of politics and people trying to protect, council people trying to protect existing tenants. And when you, and there's, a, I was going to send it to Monica and we can send it to this group, but there was a article today in the San Francisco Business Journal about the city and county of San Francisco and Aaron Peskin there um, over in uh, North Beach, he, he kind of created the formula retail years and years ago in San Francisco. And the thing about San Francisco is that, you know, it, it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's pretty black and white in that they have a benchmark that if you have 10 stores or less, you are not subject to formula retail. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, when, when when Monica and I, after we went through this, I, I'd never seen the formula retail code. So I opened and went to the code and uh, the Sausalito formula retail code is from my standpoint, I thought San Francisco was difficult. Sausalito's is almost impossible because th there is no minimum. You can have one store and try to do a second one and if you look at the language in there, uh, you know, that you have the same sign as your first store, I mean, you, you could literally be dragged into a formula retail conditional use permit where you have to go through the, not only the planning department and the planning commission, but then on to the city council. And, and Matt and Sarah and Pam, all the brokers who are top notch have all said, you know, Tenants, they, they just skip right over Sausalito because it's it's there's just too much uncertainty and they have no interest in going down a political battle um, trying to get a store open. And and when you start looking at, you know, how these other cities have reinvented their downtowns very quickly, uh, not only COVID, they got whacked, but, you know, the year before and a couple of years before, online retail, e-retail, had really been hurting a lot of these tenants. And when you look at what's happened with downtown uh, Main Street, Tiburon, or the Country Mart out at Larkspur Landing, where they have over 40, 40 tenants, some very unique tenants. You go to Perry's in Larkspur and you look at those two or three blocks there, um, it's incredible. Uh, Bonaire Shopping Center in San Rafael has reinvented itself. And then even Cam Junction, uh, the Pizza Hacker, is a friend who who lives here in Sausalito but had no interest in trying to open up in Sausalito because of the brain damage one has to go through and went to Tam Tam Juncture um, and he's now expanding and he's only been open a year. So 
I think between our formula retail definition, which is completely brutal as far as I'm concerned, uh, for any business person in retail, and then when you look at our zoning code where you have all the uses down the left-hand margin in the different zoning districts, and you either have to get a CUP, an MUP, or it's a P permitted, or it's blank, which means you can't do it at all. My sense is if the city really wants to fill the downtown retail with things other than t-shirt shops and try to get more salties and Carl's and then other stores like maybe a Pharmaca that would, that would cater to people that live here, um, I think it needs to take a very quick, serious look because as Matt said to Monica and I, Sausalito's in sixth place in Southern Marin and, and really kind of flailing. So the other thing that he did bring up, which uh, I know um, um, we've been looking at is uh, the uh, uh, outdoor venues that these other you know districts have, like, I mean, uh, Main Street Tiburon, they closed that block for good chunks of time now so all the cafes and everybody can you know sit, sit out in the street obviously we've been doing a little bit of that on caledonia but he said the outdoor dining is huge and unfortunately on princess and on bridgeway right in that downtown area you know we have very limited outdoor dining and um but a lot of the food folks really want outdoor dining because that's what customers today want and we, we have seen that in spades in San Francisco you know, with our retail restaurants. Every one of them, we've, we've gone into our own parking lots and built parklets, permanent parklets. Um, and, you know, we have, we have many, many, many of our little food guys that are 1,000 square feet uh, that are great operator, boutique operators. They're doing more revenue today than they were in 2019. And a, and a large part of that is obviously because they have the outdoor dining, which is what customers want. So, so I would say permitting is a disaster. It it just they don't want to get you can't get over it. And then the other thing is more outdoor dining opportunities um, post COVID. Um, so, and I really do think that you know Matt, if if we take this tour with Matt, you'll not only see these five other you know really robust retail areas but he can also tell you what those cities have done with practice and policy and procedures to help attract those tenants so that the city council and planning and building can get a better understanding of what the competition is doing to uh to grab these tenants so if you want to summarize maybe some ideas about incentives you know i think bob itemized them pretty well it's better timing and responsiveness uh, and some sort of shortcutting in the review process for some of these tenants, better permitting and zoning and abatement of some of the fees that um, they're being charged because they go from HPC, from planning, from re design review, et cetera. There's so many hurdles that they go through. Um, and so some of the fee abatement might be really an inducement. We've also talked about some other kinds of um, incentives and we probably need some help from staff and the city to identify where we can um, provide some influence uh, if, 
I don't know if we could abate some business license fees for the first year. Um, the, ch the chamber has already offered to 50% um, chamber dues and Don Daglow has already offered the um, presence in the uh, Ars Ausolito, things like that. But I think it has a lot to do with the upfront package of the timing and the length of challenges that they go through and some of the fees. So I would say we need to do some work on the, those items. Thank you, Monica and Bob. And I mean, I was taking some notes on all the great work that's been done and some of the new stuff you shared. I think we're at the point where we can transition of, you know, really talking about the problem to driving some change. And I think there's five things we should do. Uh, in our next session, item 4D, we're going to hear from Lily on the progress we're making on streamlining the permitting process. So we are making progress. We have had the concierge service on some of the projects and Monica, we that concierge helped us get some of those projects through. Mm -hmm. So let's get that update. So we're making our best effort to improve. Two, we need to tackle the formula retail definition. Um, and we need to you know, get some direction from our council liaisons if, if we should tackle that or the planning commission. But we need that flexibility because we don't want a Subway sandwich, but we do want, uh, you know, a little boutique store that might have three other locations, right? We need to be attractive for that. Number three, we want to finalize our targeted curated list of the types of businesses we want. We want to finalize the incentives, so like a fee abatements or assign, assignment of a concierge. And then the final thing is we need to market to these brokers. We need to get out to them and say, hey, we're serious. Here's the types of businesses we want. Here's the incentives we're going to provide. Here's the streamlined process we'll have in place. And we need to be competitive against a Tam Junction or a Larkspur. And we can. And so I think we just kind of bundle all this together and uh, sit down with, you know, city council and the city manager and try to execute on it and get some of those businesses here in Sausalito. And you know, quite frankly, we get two or three of them and it starts to change the, the mix, right? And then it'll track right. the next ones. Exactly. So I kind of captured those five things, you know, the permitting process, we need to make sure that Lily's got the support she needs to drive those changes, get some flexibility in the formula retail, finalize the types of businesses we want and the incentives we can offer. And that we work with the city on the incentives. We don't advertise those, but have some in our back pocket. And then work with CDA and uh, the brokerage community to really market Salcedo as a place to do business. Everyone agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Um, sure, sure, Riley. Um, uh, Councilman yeah. Sobieski and I both have our hands up. Do you have a moment? I see your hands up. I'm sorry. Yes, Vice Mayor. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you so much for this conversation and huge thank you to, to Bob and, and Monica on the discussion and comparisons. It's really, really helpful. Um, one thing that maybe I want to suggest this, this group spend some time considering is before we just sort of dismiss the formula retail as being only restrictive and not at all useful, maybe there's some inquiry into what it was intended to do and what it did achieve. Um, and what I want to offer up is that you know, you have um, larger uh, developers or larger uh, retail establishments, they can pay top dollar. 
And we may have found that without this restriction, we wouldn't have a Carl the store. We wouldn't have a Salty. We wouldn't have some of the smaller purveyors because the, the rents would have been driven up to an extent that these smaller players couldn't have come in and kept that uniqueness. And the intention behind the formula retail was to create a unique retail uh, experience in Sausalito. And so I just wanna suggest and hope that this group will consider that as well. Um, and I think probably it starts with the planning commission taking a look at the, the formula retail from a, a zoning perspective and understanding the how and the, and the why. Um, but I just wanna make sure that, that perspective gets included in this dialogue as well. So thank you. I think we all agree with that, Janelle. We we like how it keeps the big brands, big boxes out and keeps rents, you know, affordable so we can have the salties and carls. But we need flexibility if there is another salty out there that has two other shops that they could come here as well, right? So that's what we, is is a refinement to language without hurting the purpose of it. Um, let's go to uh, Councilor Sobieski. Okay. And then we'll go to Monica. You're on mute, council member. Oh, you got a note that says unable to. Okay, unmute. now you're. I was mute. unable to unmute myself. <laughs> that was my high tech workaround. Yeah, um, that's good. The post it note. Uh, right, exactly. So I was just going to say, uh, Vice Mayor spoke to the same point I was going to speak to. You asked for feedback from us, and uh, I would love you all to look at the formula retail uh, definition and the zoning alphabet soup that Bob Lalani spoke of. Um, as the vice mayor said, both uh, may very well have been, or I'm sure were, from a fountain of good intention and may still be useful. And that should definitely be uh, the um, dispassionate uh, hypothesis that is examined um, with integrity. But at the same time, I know just from the anecdotal evidence of stores like the Golden Gate Market, no, no large franchise there, but the uh, the purveyor of that store conveyed that he would never open another business in Sausalito after what he went through uh, in terms of the permitting process uh, there. So we definitely love the Golden Gate Market, and I think their my own impression is more aligned with the uh, experience of many of us that we have a lot of vacant stores fronts and that the current system in whatever form it is, is uh, uh, certainly look, should stand a look-see. So I would, for, for my, my two cents, I, I would encourage a look by your committee at this and, if, and the planning department could, the planning commission could do it as well. And we could very well get two perspectives of the same issue, uh, which I think would be um, illustrative for us, for us, illuminating for all of us. Thanks. Thank you, Councilmember. Uh, Monica. I just wanted to add one thing that we're, we have left out of the equation, <clears throat> excuse me, and that's the landlord population here in town. And I think we need to meet with, with a lot of them and give them some insights of what uh, we're trying to do. One thing about um, rents is there's many ways to slice the dice, or however you say it. Um, you could start with a lower rent and by having a landlord that's partnering with a tenant for success by giving them an advantage to come in at the beginning with a lower rent and then having a percentage uh, situation for increased sales 
that makes everybody a win-win. You have, as a tenant, you have an opportunity to get in to build out your store, and then as you progress and you're successful and you make a lot of sales, you you succeed and the landlord succeeds. So it's not just that big retail drives up the rent necessarily. I think there's lots of ways to to skin the cat. So anyway, I just put forth that, and we need to do some talking with some of our landlords as well. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I see Teresa has her hand up. Uh, actually, my comments mirrored uh, Monica's. I'm kind of in total agreement with her. Like, you kind of need the landlords to work with prospective tenants. Uh, you know, if they want to continue to charge very high rent and are willing to leave the space vacant to get that rent, that doesn't really do anybody really any good and if you're talking about an individual small business they you may not be able to get those businesses in there if they can't afford that rent especially in the first years when they're trying to get their business off the ground so i just i totally agree with monica on that thank you <laughs> okay thank you on that and again to bring us back to what we're trying to do here um we have vacancies in town that we want to we would say curate we'd like to influence what kind of tenants can be there so that it serves the it tracks the type of visitor we want um and serves our local community well and when we have that we have a set of incentives and we can offer things like the concierge service or what have you we also want to have some flexibility if one of those is a you know kind of unique uh three or four store kind of chain if you call it that, a three-store chain, that we could bring here and we want some of that flexibility. So um, that's what we're hoping to achieve. Okay. With that, I'm going to pause and we're going to go to, unless there's other questions by council or committee members. Okay. Let's on item 4C, which is titled Recruiting Desired Businesses. Um, I think you need to do public comment. Yeah, I'm going to open up to public comment right now. So okay. item 4C, I'd like to open up to public comment, recruiting desired businesses. And I see Vicki Pipples. Yes, Vicki has her hand up. Vicki, can you speak, please? Hi, thank you. Um, I would... Place. I think that needs to be coupled from uh, streamlined permitting. And I, I, and I also agree and have said for a long time now, the key to this success is the owners of these businesses renting to the tenants you want. We can do everything we want, but if they're not renting to these tenants, we haven't achieved anything. So I would suggest a, an approach similar to Monica's, and I'm surprised, and I think it would be beneficial for you to have a subcommittee or however you would do it to start liaising with these owners and wooing them and telling them, you know, you really, these we've done this survey, we want these businesses, how can we work with you? Because some of these rents, to augment Teresa's point, are such that it isn't that people don't want to come in, they just are not sustainable. 
um, for them to start out. But once we see the success, this Salty or Carl or um, some of our other unique non-formula retail businesses, that is what makes me or would make me want to shop in Sausalito. Um, I love San Anselmo. I love Larkspur. I know some of the council people there. I think they've done great jobs um, uh, balancing formula retail and non-retail. But if you go more closely into our zoning, you'll see that the the, the formula retail uh, citation is, is written to make sure it's balanced or there, there's not an over... Um, I forget what the phrasing is, an overabundance or whatever. So I, you're going to be surprised. Why don't your, why doesn't your committee walk through downtown now, and see how many formula retail businesses are already down there? Just because a CUP is required or a another type of permit is required does not mean that the planning commission absolutely pre prevents it. It means that it's a little uh, closer look at what that business is. I'll give you a terrific example if you get too loose with the language. When Pete's wanted to come into where Barbachi was, it would require would have required that whole area, which is central waterfront, to be rezoned to allow formula retail. Well, everybody wanted Pete's to come in. Honestly, I'm in name and I hope I don't offend anybody and I have nothing against them except that they're clearly formula retail. That would mean that the next application coming in on our waterfront for Olive Garden or something similar would have put the city in a real defense, uh, indefensible position for defending what it was uh, under retail or allowing that. So you have Vicky, to be very Vicky, careful. Vicki, three, so would... three minutes have elapsed. Okay. All right. Thank you. Just Thank you, Vicki. Very insightful. Thank you. Can I make one last comment and then I'll be quiet? We're going to finish public comment and then okay. we'll come back to EDAC discussion items. Okay. And Chair Riley, I see no other hands raised at the moment. Thank you. Okay, Monica. I just wanted to um, underscore and remind all of us there are three, four distinct players in this situation it's the landlord, it's the tenant, and it's the residents who shop here and it's the city. And if we can get all of us working together in a positive way for the right kinds of tenants as we're trying to do, then it's a home run. But we have to get everybody all working together. I mean, we could bring in some of this formula retail, but nobody comes down from the hill to shop. So it's just another way of saying we really need to embrace the residents in this whole process. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Thanks. Very good. Um, any other discussion? Bob, yes. Yeah, one more quick comment, just <laughs> so people focus on this. It's not, it, the issue isn't, well, go to the city council or go to the, the planning commission, the planning department, planning department, planning commission, city council, and they'll be reasonable. Point is, is that these retailers, they don't want to have to go any of the three of those. They want to know that if it's zoned commercial retail and they fit within you know, outside of the formula retail definition, they automatically get approved on a building permit from the planning department and it goes right to building. They, these, some, these great little retailers, they don't have a year or two to, to go through 
planning department, planning commission, city council. They, they don't do that in these other towns. And that's why they're going elsewhere. So if there's a way to tighten up some definitions, as, as Monica said, that will meet the top 10 list of the types of tenants that we want, um, I think that's the goal is to take the uncertainty out of the process. Because with all of that uncertainty, these small business operators, they don't have the capital or the time, nor do they want to play politics for a year and a half to try to get a business open. So, um, I agree that everyone's reasonable, but it's the process that's, that's deterring them. Agree, Bob. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Sobieski. We'll I just to wanted uh, I just wanted to applaud that comment, Bob. I want to underline it. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. These rules are put there for an intention. We should distill what that intention is, and I, I trust EDAC as you look at it, you will. Uh, but you're exactly right that we have to be mindful of the practical behavior of potential business owners. Um, it's not a theoretical behavior, and the practical behavior uh, is what we care about. So experiences like the Golden Gate Market Purveyor and others that we know of are impacted by their actual experience. And uh, and we should use that as a guidepost for what's working and what isn't working. Good. Malcolm, did you have a comment? I do. Um, just wanted to see, has anyone done like a line by line comparison to see what our permit process compares to Mill Valley, Tiburon, Corte Madera, Larksburg, Greenbrae, the, the sort of five local jurisdictions. Are we really that different or did these businesses land here, had a bad time and assumed that we're so much worse than the other areas? Because I, I think it might be the latter. Um, but, you know, compare it to my applying for building permits in the past. Uh, we just assume that because we have a really negative experience, it's something unique to that jurisdiction, but maybe it's not. Maybe we're not that different than other cities and, and townships around us. I'm just curious if anyone's done a comparison. We, we've had we've had anecdotal feedback that we are much more difficult, and we've been given other jurisdictions that are much more efficient. Uh, a year ago, we reached out to San Rafael, and San Rafael went through a seven-year kind of turnaround process to improve their uh, permitting processes with technology and process and feedback and um, regular meetings with stakeholders and, and over seven years they made a bunch of improvements that we have included in a three-year plan which is our next update on this agenda um, so it, we haven't looked at you know their processes versus ours but we have anecdotal data um, that we've worked and Monica, I cut you off. No, I, I was just going to say, that's what this whole tour of the other five communities is about, is Matt Holmes has done transactions in each of those cities. And we've asked him to give, his, give us the results of his experience. And I think that will be more than anecdotal for, you know, underscoring the differences between those cities and what we're doing. So. John, please go ahead. Uh, Tom, I was looking at the um, agenda item here on 4C. It says review the list of desired businesses and incentives. Do we have a list of desired businesses um, that have been identified that we can review? We, we reviewed that in the last meeting. So apologies, John, but that was the survey we did of the curated list of types of businesses and we're continuing to enhance that. Have we, have we narrowed down that, that list and, and this, um, something that we're going to promote going forward? or is it just the result of that survey with kind of without our input? 
Um, hopefully it includes our input. Uh, hopefully everyone here contributed to that survey and we discussed it at the last meeting. And uh, that, that list should evolve and we should revisit it each of our meetings. But the idea is to identify types of businesses and then specific businesses that we can work with brokers on to reach out to and try to attract them. Okay, thank you. Can I, um, is it worth me listing the top 10 or we need to go, yes? The top 10, Rustic, sure. ba Rustic Bakery formula, Trader Joe's formula, Heath Ceramics, local, and we've tried to get them downtown, um, Sur La Table, Bankrupt, Hudson Grace, Apple Store, Whole Foods, Five Little Monkeys, Pharmaca, and Mill Valley Lumberyard. Those were the top 10 from the survey results. Tom, I have the, uh, I have the uh, report that Scott did for us up if you want me to share it on my screen. You're on mute, Tom. Please do, Julie, thank you. Okay, if somebody can give me permission to share. There we go. So this was Scott's, this was from our survey. And so this is what everyone was requesting. And then this is what they didn't want. And then this is the top ones that they said were the, where they shop. Um, I'm trying to find the list. It was, it's on the, the what, next to the last page. Next to the last page, right here, there it is. So you look at all of those and almost all of them are formula retail and it'd be great to have them here, but. Trader Joe's is never gonna come to Sausalito. No, and why would we, my personal feeling is why would we want them here to compete with Molly's? Cause we're not right. big enough to have, anyway, okay. And Sir yeah. is bankrupt and not expanding, they're closing. Right. Um, an Apple store, it, it's so expensive to open an Apple store, 7,500 population community would not endorse that. Anyway, so you can see that we need to dig deeper on some of the other uh, specific names that were put into the survey. And there were some good good ideas there. So we'll just have to go one by one. I think, Monica, the most important list is not this list. It is the types yeah. of business, right? Exactly, right. So there's the bakery. Well, let's go find the best bakery you know, best. that's out right. there, right? Or let's go find... Um, well, you got cannabis retail, right? So is there an extra exercise or a small farm? Yeah. So you know, we need to look at that list and then identify small, either one person shops or small businesses. That we what, what's, what's interesting about this too, uh, clothing boutiques, it'll be, everybody will be pleased to know that Studio 333 is converting their facility into a woman's boutique. And I was in there the other day and it, looks really nice and very fun and so that's matching one of the things that you know people wanted and the restaurant bar kind of thing it, it, the tenant that's being negotiated at hotel Sausalito is of that uh, nature and we already have a fantastic bookstore that hopefully people 
know is there and, and participate. I'm so surprised so, that that's on this list. Me too. Yeah. So anyway, it, there's a lot of things that we could go after. Okay, I'm going to stop my share. Okay, thank you, Julie. Uh, Cass. I had two different points to make. One was I wanted, sorry. Okay, you can hear me now. Um, Malcolm's point about looking at the language that these are competing townships have for their formula retail, I think we, instead of just being anecdotal, I don't think that's a hard thing to do. And we really should look at the language and see where we substantially differ from those counties versus where we experientially differ from those towns. So I think that's an important thing to find out. We have to understand our competition much better than we do. The other one is we, we, we're using this um, survey with a lot of force of power. And frankly, it wasn't big enough. Um, it, it, and it needs, I think we need to take that survey and dig deeper into the population. If I remember correctly, there are only 87 responses. And that we need, you know, I, it was mostly reaching out to EDAC and EDAC's friends and other people. But we need, before we start using this survey as the word of God, we need a bigger survey. Okay, thank you, Cass. Yes, um, one last comment. I think maybe an approach to this is to start with what we have from the survey and uh, vet it amongst ourselves or through that committee and present to the community top 10 ideas and then see what the community uh, likes of those ideas. Maybe that's another approach. Thank you. I like that approach, Sean. Yeah, so what we're looking at that Julie shared is just basically the responses from the community. But we could go through it and say, okay, you know, we're going to refine that list. Let's prioritize it. Let's discuss it at another meeting and get some more public input on that list. Um, but there are some things on there that we know everyone's going to agree to. And um, those are the ones I also want us to start taking action, right, and start you know, doing the reach out, doing the marketing, um, working with the brokers to get some of these new tenants into the town. So, um, okay. I think we'll follow your plan there, John. All right, any other comments on this item? Okay. We're going to move on to item 4D. In item 4D, uh, we're going to hand it over to our community development director, Lily Whalen, who's going to give us an update on improvements she's been driving to our permitting processes. Um, and to remind you all, it was earlier this year that uh, this committee made a recommendation for 34 items uh, that we think could be driven or could be made over the next three years to improve our permitting processes. And it was a lot. But we also made recommendations for some funding. And uh, this is an opportunity for Lily to give us an update on her efforts. And uh, before I just pass it off to Lily, I do want to thank her. She has been um, working short-staffed. Uh, she has a lot of projects coming her way. Um, and I know we have been sponsoring some key business projects that uh, she has helped um, drive through the process. So thank you for that, Monica. Uh, thank you for working with Monica on that. Lily. So um, 
with that, uh, Lily, are you able to present? I am. Good afternoon, uh, Chair Riley and EDAC members. Happy to be here and um, wanted to thank the EDAC subcommittee for uh, the work that you did with our department earlier this year to develop the, the list um, of 34 measures. Um, and I'm happy to go through phase one um, right now with you and let you know where we are. So I'm going to share my screen. Um, while I'm doing that, I do want to mention that um, I think I'll probably touch on it as we get through the list here, but we um, have made some significant progress on our recruitment efforts uh, with our department here. The council um, graciously funded two additional positions for the community development department for this fiscal year and upgraded one of our positions as well to a principal planner position. And I'm happy to report that we have done uh, recruitment for all of those positions and have um, signed offer letters for all positions and folks will start the um, coming on on onboarding starting next week um, for that position. So we're really excited about that. Also wanted to, you know, say a huge shout out and kudos to Heidi Scoble, who has been our um, helping the department um, on, in her ombudsman role with um, permit services, and then also helping us um, clean up the department as well physically, getting files um, in the right place and organized and making more room for staff who will be coming on board. Um, and then before I share my screen as well, I just wanted to make sure EDAP um, heard my news um, that this, this is my last week with the city of Sausalito. Um, in this role as community development director, I am moving on to the city of Pinole for a great opportunity with Pinole. Um, but we'll, you know, I, I have no words to say how much I'm going to miss this community and working with you all. Um, and Heidi will be graciously stepping in as interim community development director as well um, during the transition. Thank you, Lily, first up. Uh, one for the update here in the U.S., but thank you for all the work you've done for our city. Um, and you'll be missed. Uh, the city of Pinole is lucky to have you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Lily. Okay, I'm going to share um, this real quick. Let me know when you can see it. it should be coming up pretty soon here. Somebody give me a thumbs up if you can see it or just a verbal yes. Okay, good. I'm getting a thumbs up. Perfect. Great. Okay, so I just took the um, Excel list that we were working on earlier this year and added, um, updated the status column here. And so I'm just going to walk through the, I think there's 18 different items here and I can give you an update as far as where we are. So um, develop a process flow map. We are, um, we have been discussing that this year. We are meeting actually this, this Friday um, with uh, building and planning to start um, officially that conversation of um, the, how much you know, time things take to go through the processes and where, where there is room for uh, improvement or consolidation. And then we'll be having a second meeting with uh, fire and DPW to bring them into the loop and discuss coordination with them. So that's in progress. We, the second item here, um, customer service survey um, of all prior year applicants, we have not started work on that yet, but that would be a good task for a, a, our Sonoma State um, University intern, which we are working on securing right now. The third item here is introducing multiple communication methods 
We have opened up our counter for in-person appointments on Tuesdays and folks when they make an appointment for counter service can choose to do a virtual meeting or come into City Hall to do an in-person meeting. We're still a little up until this week we were working on somewhat of a hybrid model for staff and, and um, we had staff generally in the office Tuesday through Thursday, although some were out, but starting this week, um, all of our staff should be in the office coordinated on Tuesday through Thursday. And so I'm, um, I am um, anticipating that there might be some more in-person meetings um, that are requested of the public because we will have all staff there um, to help at the counter. Pursuing grant writing assistance, we have met with a grant writer who could help the city, not just in CDD, but in multiple departments um, with securing uh, grants and monitoring that process, but we do need to have some further conversations. Um, so we haven't secured someone yet, but we have been having some conversations. We have not yet done the audit of the planning files that um, was conducted back right before COVID, although um, Heidi and her ombudsman role has been unsticking a lot of the permits that are in the system right now. We have worked also on um, processes and timeframes for um, staff report writing, noticing that sort of thing. And so we're, we're, um, we have that out to staff and are working on refining, working with staff to make sure that they adhere to those timelines. And I'm, I'm hopeful that once we have that down and in place that um, we'll start to get through those reviews um, quicker and um, with less hiccups. This um, track identifier for the Marin chip has not been done yet, um, but this is also a good task for the Sonoma State intern um, that hopefully will be coming on. Um, permit ombudsman, as I mentioned, Heidi has been doing fabulous in that role and um, our the council did authorize uh, in the new position, the permit services coordinator in our our budget here and um, that person will be um, part of their their job will be that role of facilitating permits and working with both staff and the public to get them through the system as quickly as possible we on the permit tracking system we um, did have some interviews with some other uh, vendors we have um, in working with Heidi, um, we have decided to continue on with Tracket right now and invest a little bit more, um, a few more dollars in the system because it is robust and we were not using it to the fullest extent. So I think that if we put a little more dollars in it and get some training for staff as well, um, we'll be able to use the system that the way that we want to use the system and it will be beneficial for both staff and the public. The um, charts, brochures, high quality information, even in videos um, that has not been done yet, but this is another task that could be for the Sonoma State um, intern. Staff has been working on some FAQs. Um, we need to uh, go through the, the um, questions that staff thinks is, are most frequently asked and then align on the answers and vet those through the city attorney before they are posted online. That, that is in progress. Um, about the next item here is contracting with um, a, a firm to do some lower level zoning review. Uh, we have had some conversations about this. I have reached out to CSG in the past, but we need to continue that conversation to see if it would be beneficial for the city to use the plan checker in that way. 
Um, I also, I think that once we sit down and go through our um, timeframes for reviewing projects, some of um, some of these low level zoning reviews will get unstuck through that process as well. Next item here on line 20 is the parklet design and um, streamlining permitting. And that will be discussed by the council on the 12th of this month. Next item here is monthly business Thursdays for vacant properties. So we did um, have one of these meetings, I believe it was back in April. Um, and I have been working with Monica to see if there's a need for an, another one of these meetings with um, potential businesses. And if there's um, if there's a need, we're happy to, to schedule it and make time to do that. The um, prioritizing business permit applications during this this um, period, we have been trying to do that on an as needed basis on an as needed basis for discretionary permits. And so some examples on the screen here is the Cloud Break Yoga CUP, and then the um, CUP that was just approved by the Planning Commission for the Hotel Sausalito site. The line item here about pop-up, um, streamline pop-up retail permit processes. Um, we we can um, use, we do actually have a existing process for temporary use permits and um, the folks can utilize that process for pop-up retail stores. So um, maybe working with EDAC on you know, advertising that process would be helpful for businesses that have less than two-year leases. We are working with HR for opportunities for um, customer service training for our staff. We have, um, we do send out, and this is the next item here, sorry, the customer service interaction surveys. So we do send out a, an email after every appointment that's made with our counter staff and inviting feedback. And I get, um, you probably one or two responses out of every 20 or 20 or 30 interactions. So it is used somewhat frequently, both for good and, um, you know, feedback that we could improve upon. The um, reviewing our building contract with CSU, which is our plan checker, um, to make sure that we're, we're um, giving, getting the most cost-effective service and efficient service as well. Um, we'll be doing that during the mid-year budget review with CSG, they have requested to um, increase their their um, fees. Their fees have not been updated since 2006. So we will be looking at that with them and during that review, looking at other um, services that the city could contract with and seeing who has the better deal for the city. And then lastly, the hiring consultant to man project manage um, these streamlining ideas we have not done that um i think that with new staff coming on we we should take a look and see what um what if anything we need help with uh, managing this phase one here and that brings us to the end of the list we will um, stop sharing here so i can see you all Lily, this is Tom. One, thank you for going back to that detailed list of 18 items. Um, in, it seems like you're making progress across a, a large number of them. Um, I guess one question I have is the permit services. Okay, oops. The uh, permit services coordinator, 
which is basically replacing the temporary ombudsperson or concierge work, I guess, that, that Heidi's been doing. Is that correct? It's a little bit of an expanded role rather than that. So the permit services coordinator will be overseeing um, the uh, permitting in both building and planning. And so from when an application is submitted, um, and our vision is that all applications will be submitted online. So it'll be easy for folks to fill out a form online, not have to fill out any paper, and, and there'll be easy instructions. Um, and the forms will change depending on the work that is being um, requested by someone. So that's the vision is that it'll be all online. The permit services coordinator will vet the application when it comes in and then get it out to the people that um, need to see it. And if there's something wrong with the application, they'll catch that before it gets routed. So that's kind of the main, one of the main purposes of the permit services coordinator. They'll also be able to do some of the um, over-the-counter permitting as well for both planning and building and so getting some of those permits out um, and they potentially wouldn't have to go to plan check um, and so that would be assisting both building and planning frame the question this way lily uh, thank you for that um one of our desires as we work through all the changes the streamlining permitting process realizing we have challenges today when we are recruiting a new business that we desire we would like to offer them a white glove treatment to get through our process, like the ombudsperson or the concierge. Would that be this permit services coordinator or will we still need that kind of white glove person to help them? I, I think that we could probably carve out um, a portion of that role as the white glove person, but they would they would definitely have other tasks assigned to them as well. So they they wouldn't just be doing business permitting, they would be, you know, permitting for all um, all permits that come through the city commercial and residential um, but I think there could be you know a focus if that's the, the direction from the city on that white glove service um, but if you know I think it would depend on how many businesses also we're talking about the capacity of that of the person to handle um, that service yeah I, I would know lean on Monica here I wouldn't expect we're looking more than you know potentially four to six type projects right over the course of the year Right. But we do want that is a, such a huge incentive for us to overcome the concerns that many future tenants have about getting through our processes. If we could offer that white glove service, um, that is a big incentive. Uh, Cass, you have your hand up. Um, <clears throat> well, Louie, I want to give you congratulations on your new position in Panola. That's really exciting for you. And I know you're gonna be really missed um, in the city staff. We're, we're gonna all personally miss you. We've really enjoyed working with you very much. Um, I, I, when we met with the marketing group and you met with us, I think at that, one, at that meeting, I requested if we might be able to get a schedule for when these things would be implemented over time. And I know now you're leaving, but I would hope that we could get a schedule so that we could start to you know, monitor against that schedule. And when it's, when something has a schedule, that means there's a commitment to actually implementing. And so I think a schedule would be a great idea. Agreed, Cass. And that's, you know, one of our original goals of having a project manager was someone who would put a project schedule together, right? And we're tracking 18 separate work streams um, that we could track. Exactly. Monica? Before we leave this section, 
I'd like to just have sort of a um, my own love Lily commentary because <laughs> we had so many projects when we first started a year ago that were stalled. And by working with you, I just want to list a few of them. We've gotten the Gables Inn and more hotel uh, rooms approved. We've gotten all the challenges that were going on with the Princess Street projects approved because you were on board with working with HCP and some of the other issues, signage and all of that. We've gotten the Hotel Sausalito exterior um, changes approved, which is a big plus. And two weeks ago, we got 719 Bridgeway approved. And that's been in planning for four and a half, five years. So you've been very instrumental and steadfastly moving these things forward. And I personally want to thank you for the work we've done together. Thank you for all those, Lily. And, and quite frankly, when we start to market to the brokers that we're serious, we'll point to those projects, right, that um, are getting approved. And it's because of, you know, Lily and Heidi providing that white glove service of really diving in and not just depending on the process. Um, so those are the proof points that we can market uh, as we get our acts together. Other comments from or questions at this point from EDAC members for Lily. Yes, Cass. Um, just one question uh, between Lily and Heidi, I guess, who, who will be our point person now when you go off and have a good time in Pinole? Yeah, it'll, it will be Heidi. Heidi will be, um, and Heidi is taking over as interim community development director. For the okay. yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. All right, and I would also like to congratulate and thank Heidi for stepping up and being the interim. Um, and we will be following up with you, Heidi, on a number of these important projects as well. And you have our full support. Um, help drive these uh, changes. Uh, and one of the things, Lily, and I'll say is to Heidi, uh, we do have in the budget to hire a consultant to help project manage. And I think that could be really helpful to get someone who puts together a schedule and tracks each of these projects um, so we can start driving. Because it's got to be hard to drive change when you're inundated with, you know, just so many permits coming at you. Um, okay. Uh, at this time, I'd like to open up to public comment on item 4D, which was the presentation by our community development director on um, the status of 18 projects to improve our permitting process. Serge, can you let me know if there's any public comment? Chair Riley, I see no hands raised at the moment. Okay. Um, final discussion, I notice I see Cast your hand is up, it's now down. Okay. Um, any other discussion items regarding this update? All right, we're prepared to move on to our last business item. Uh, thank you, Lily, congratulations. Um, we will miss you. Uh, come visit us and uh, we'll pop in if we're ever in Penold. say hi to you. Thank you, Art. Thank you all. I, I really don't have, it's been 13 years with the city and I've had so many amazing opportunities and met um, incredible people um, and have been 
have just received so much support. Um, so it is very hard. It is very, very hard to leave um, this incredible community. Thank you very much. We will miss you. And Pinole's lucky to have you. Okay. Um, our uh, business item 4E is titled Diversification in the Marineship. We've had a subcommittee working on making progress on the inventory and driving our diversification work. So with that, I was going to turn over to Mr. Walter Lemmerman to present. Thank you, Chair Riley. Um, so the, the inventory has been um, difficult to kind of get our hands around, but we now have a nice start in it. Um, we put together a uh, program, if you will, an audit program that's part of the documents for this meeting. So you can take a look at that if you'd like. Um, we're um, trying to identify vacant spaces uh, and businesses without licenses to be out without the BLT and businesses without occupational use permits and um, those businesses without land use permits where that's applicable and uh, businesses whose use is not compliant with the zoning in which they reside. What we did was we, we um, excluded a number of properties from this inventory and these were the properties that um, were uh, office buildings prior to the um, um, marine ship specific plan so they don't really factor into this this zoning type of thing and we're not really looking so much at vacant office space there seems to be a, a lot of vacant office space but if you look at the program and if you have any questions you can always just ask me if you have any suggestions you can do the same thing just email me uh, but we try to spell out what is the uh, responsibilities of the um, the subcommittee, the te the, te the, the uh, diversification uh, subcommittee, and which uh, items, uh, task, or responsibility of city staff. Um, now we we hadn't got much of a start, but we now have. Uh, we went from having just the four members of the um, subcommittee. And I'm kind of disabled. I had some surgery and I haven't been able to do much, but um, Malcolm, John, and Rachel have done some work. And then we have now uh, new news. We have about another four people that have volunteered to help out in the inventory because it's kind of a time consuming process to physically go to the, the, the site, to an office building, verify the name as it is in the in the record and what type of business they are and so that takes some kind of hands-on you can't just do that necessarily from a directory as easily uh, we do have some um, uh, um, I guess benefit in terms of like Malcolm is familiar with the, with uh, some of the buildings very well and he can go through that quickly John uh, as well Rachel with ICB building so we've been able to get a start with that so we have four new volunteers who will be helping out in that um, inventory process. Um, and if anybody has any questions on that, I'd be glad to answer any questions on the inventory um, process. Um, if, if there are none, the... Uh, Walt? Yes? Um, so how many how many properties are encompassed within the Marin ship boundary that you guys were inventory? 
Okay, there's a little less than a thousand. Um, I don't know. I a hate thousand to... properties or a thousand tenants? A thousand tenants. Did you, how do you say? How many properties? Oh, I don't know that number. Maybe John DeRay, who's really close to that, could answer. And then also the other question you might have is um, how many would there be when we take out that office component as well? Uh, I hate right. to ask a surprise question at you, John, but um, would you happen to know for Bob's I think I think uh, there are, uh, and probably Lily may know this. I believe in terms of property owners, there's somewhere in the 90s, I believe. But maybe Lily or or Heidi has a better answer for that. But so I'm not sure exactly on the parcels because some owners may own several parcels. But um, it's probably in the order of uh, in terms of parcels. I think that's what you're asking. Um, you know, maybe something a little bit over a hundred. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if, if on the inventory, how you're organizing it, if it's by by business, not it, by it, parcel. No, it's by business, by business. And how, how do you yeah. know that? How do you it's know you're good. not missing a, a an empty business that so doesn't can, exist in a parcel? Um, Bob, I can really jump in. John, is it okay if I jump in? Sure, of course. So we're taking the original spreadsheet from the inventory that Albert did in 2011. I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to look at that document, but we're looking at that inventory that he took and we are basically doing an audit of that. We're using that as our template. So we're checking by building and then we're checking by space. And so we've been working on our methodology on how to approach that. Um, so we're, we've, we've started to figure out what systems to use as far as using, leveraging the city's, you know, information, leveraging, um, you know, what, what uh, units are for lease. Um, and so I think that uh, any, you know, any thoughts on that would be helpful, but that's, that's sort of our baseline. And then we're identifying the uh, business, business type, and then we'll go from there with the city. I was just asking you that the city, I would think, would have their data based on uh, lot and block by parcel. And then within each parcel, there's a either an empty lot or uh, a building that was approved. Um, and then from there, you can you can dial into you know business registration, all that kind of stuff. I would think the city's organization would be by parcel by, by lot and block. With a building owner, because that's the way I've ever I've seen every other city organize their. I mean, that's how the tax assessor does it. So it's a it's a great way to make sure you got every building. Well, I think uh, that is the case. The city has that information. The spreadsheet links to it, but in terms of walking around and going to these businesses and identifying them, obviously it'd be much easier if we have addresses to go to, and then those addresses are linked in this database to the parcels by the city. Any other questions about the um, inventory? Uh, one other question I was talking with the chair of the planning commission earlier today, and she was wondering if we could ask businesses what their growth plans are. And I don't know if, if uh, Rachel, I don't think that's a good question. <laughs> um, no. We can leave this to John, but yeah, I mean, I think it's already, it's, it's already a, a process yeah. to, approach a business exactly 
remember, and ask for their information, but go ahead, John. Uh, yeah. um, Rachel's exactly right. I mean, remember all we're getting is the basic information from them, who they are and what they do. And the city is going to link that with their database to see if they have a business license, if they have an occupancy permit. Um, I've already encountered uh, some uh, um, maybe unhappy folks. I guess the natural inclination maybe is to be defensive. And even though, you know, you're saying, look, all I want to do is know who you are and what you do. We're doing it for the city. We're volunteers. Here's our letter of authorization. It's difficult to just ask them what they do um, and verify what they do. So uh, to get more than that, I think it would have to come from the city. Um, and, and in that regard, it, um, I think it would be helpful. Um, and I brought this up at the last meeting uh, for perhaps the city manager to write a letter to um, some of these big property owners, even if there's just, there's probably less than 10 to tell them that we're doing this um, because, um, you know, I went in somewhere and they're like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing. This is the first I've ever heard of this. And so, you know, it's a little bit confrontational um, and you have to deal with that. But, um, you know, once you explain to them, this is just about updating this 10 year old inventory plan, uh, uh, process, um, you know, that, that helps. But I think um, sending that out uh, to the big property owners would be helpful. Um, I did that myself to, uh, I did that myself to um, Schoonemacher uh, about a week ago, um, trying to get an appointment to walk around with them, um, the two property managers there and, and never heard back from them. So, um, Again, it's if, if the if it's something that the uh, city manager would um, consider, then might be helpful. Yeah, Tom, I think that's a a really good idea, and I wonder, you know, not to put more work on us as a subcommittee, but you know, it could be uh, possible to do almost like a sampling where we take a handful of businesses um, of different mm -hmm. sizes and mm -hmm. and survey them and say. Okay, you know, maybe if there's a relationship there with that business and say, okay, where are you with your growth? But I think that when you're going in without warm introductions or you don't have a relationship with the business owners, um, I think that that can be problematic um, as John has outlined. I understand, Rachel. So uh, I pass that out as a request from our colleague on the Planning Commission. Um, John, to your request there, uh, maybe we can meet with the city manager afterwards and show a draft letter that would give the air cover, right? Much like the letter that you can carry in your pocket when you do these interviews, a letter that we'd like to go to some of these landlords. If we can come up with the landlords, then I'm sure we draft a letter, he can revise it, and he's very supportive of our efforts. Great, thank you. One this last is thing, is it is it possible for us to have a badge? Because I think I appreciate the letter. And I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to just printing one at home and making it look a certain way. But um, you know, and I've run into this with census work as well. It, people respond well to badges um, or some kind of official. I mean, a hat. I'm down for a hat. But I think that that would be helpful for the for the on foot checking that we're doing as sort of one one layer of our methodology. Well, I can discuss that with uh, Chris. Um, he's very open to been helping us, and he wrote those authorization letters and everything. And uh, of course, you know, a gun is the most 
absolute authority. The badge is number two, three. You know. <laughs> so, quick comment, uh, John, when you mentioned Boonmockers, where uh, 7074 Liberty ship is getting entitled. Yes. And I don't know if this is anecdotal, but I've heard from a, a couple folks in, in Planning Commission that they're very, I guess you'd say, suspect of who's going to go in that building. Um, which, when you said Schoonmacher, maybe it's not surprising that they don't want you poking around their existing properties because maybe there are some folks have uses in there that don't belong there. Well, I could see where, you know, perhaps this could get very contentious with some landlords and to protect you all, um, maybe, you know, this does need to get elevated because, you know, just knocking on your door asking, you know, what's going on in here could, could get, you know, you get hit over the head with a two by four. I mean, who knows? Yeah, but Bob, that's a really good point. And um, in the case of Schoonmacher, you actually don't really even need to to really go in because um, all their businesses pretty much face out, outward and you can you can Google the business name and kind of figure out what they do. I did it as a courtesy to, to the property managers there um, and just to, to make the, the, the process go a little smoother, which is um, I, I thought I was kind of you know taking an extra step to do something to be courteous about it but um they they didn't respond and and maybe they're busy because of the, that other project that you mentioned so um reach out again i've met them before so i do know them. so just on this conversation i i am concerned about the safety of our members you know going out and talking to these tenants so why don't we make it an action item to come out of here walter you and i can set up a meeting with city staff to talk about the best way to get this information um without having concerns. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll take it up separately. I don't think we can solve it here and now with the time we have remaining. Good idea. Okay, um, any other questions on this discussion item? Okay, at this time I'd like to open up for public comment and this is regarding the update we just had on the Merchant Survey we're attempting to do, and that's all part of our you know, driving diversification strategy. So Serge, can you let me know if there's any hands up from the public? Chair Riley, there are no hands raised at the moment. Okay, so we're gonna conclude our business items. We're gonna move to updates. Um, Tom, I'm sorry, I had a, a, another okay. comment. Yeah, so I'm sorry, you can you can comment, John. Yeah, um, there, there's, couple of other things here, um, occupancy, compliance, and vacancies. Um, I wanted to mention again um, the, the compliance issue. I sent around the enforcement uh, uh, code to everybody um, by email just before the meeting. So there is a um, mechanism on the books and been on the books for a long time in terms of uh, zoning code violations and what the fines would be um and you know i, I think um we continue to see these violations um there's two on the books that i've mentioned before uh, 170 gate 5 road and 60 c gate 5 road they're industrial buildings uh one is a quonset hut a big quonset hut the other one is a big um, warehouse property 
Um, they're both non-compliant. There's, there's code violations for both of them. Um, I took uh, Chair Riley uh, on a little mini tour of two industrial businesses there in the Marin ship that are bursting at the seams. They want to grow. Uh, they want to stay in Sausalito. They uh, both want to hire more people and they're in a situation where they cannot find space. Um, and what we were told is, you know, one or two or three months from now, if, if they can't find something in Sausalito, then, you know, they're going to have to go elsewhere. Um, they're exactly the kind of companies that we want. One of them uh, is a robotic system uh, integrator. You go into a shop and there's uh, robots all over the shop. They, they buy off the shelf robots and then program them to um, solve a task. Uh, for their clients. They're growing, uh, they grew 50% last year. It's exactly the kind of business we want, but they're unable to find space. They're unable to expand, not only because it's not available, but because if it is available, it's priced at 200% what it should be priced when you look at the um, uh, industrial um, lease rates around. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about curating these businesses and doing all this stuff downtown and for Caledonia, which I agree with 100%, but I'm, I'm not sure why we're not really bending over backwards to really help these folks. Um, we lost two more fabric, two fabricators in September. Um, they, they went, one went to Novato and one is, I think, going to go to San Rafael, um, again, because uh, they're paying 200% of, of the going rate uh, and, their, and their lease was up. So um, this is a real problem in this city. And it really is a risk of achieving the task uh, uh, or the goal that the city council had, which is to diversify our economy away from retail, away from hotels, away from restaurants. We have great restaurants, hotels and retail on the other side of town, but we, we really have this goal of diversifying our economy and to, to lose two in September, two within the six months prior to that, and now two more, that's gonna make a total of six if they all get lost, if we lose them all. So there is something really fundamentally wrong here. And I'd really like some help or, or, or somebody to take notice of this because we can't go on like this um, and, and look the other way and, and let these violations remain. Um, it's just to me a tragic. So sorry to be on a soapbox about it, but um, thank you. Uh, John, I, I think we all concur with you. We want to make progress here. It's been discussed for so long. That's why we have this working group, right, to help identify these. And now I think we need to work with city staff on the largest violators and enforce the regulations we have in place. So I, I think we're supportive, right? And part of the survey results was to understand the overall landscape where are our largest violators and start, you know, going after those as well as business license tax. Um, and then much like we've discussed, we want to start attracting businesses that meet our diversification needs into, into the friendship. So I think we all concur with what you just said. We just need to kind of break it down to actual items. I see uh, Teresa has her hand up. 
Um, so I guess my question was, does anybody know if the police still have an enforcement officer? Or is that a position that's actually missing and so there's no enforcement because there's nobody to actually do the work? Um, I can jump in. Um, this is Heidi Scoble. Um, so currently we do have a contract code enforcement officer. Um, we are contracting out with CSG and that officer is with the city three days a week. Um, there was a pilot program um, that um, the city was working with the police department and we will still continue to work with the police department, but the community development department will be taking on the um, for all code enforcement actions. Thank you, Heidi. Julie? I just I just have a question for John. John, do you know what footprint the two businesses that you say are looking, do you know what size footprint they are looking for? And do we have something that is being used as a non-conforming build or business right now that they would fit into? Do you know what the, yeah, I just want to know if, if we even have something big enough that would even be available to yes yes julie we do um they need a, a fairly large space you know two thousand uh, additional square feet or so and both of the code violations that i mentioned that have been on the books you know one since may and one since july uh, those those properties are large properties they're large industrial properties with non-compliant uses so they could move into those properties um if they were available at the right price because if it's not at the right price, then they're going to leave. Uh, they're going to leave Sausalito, and you know that's kind of the game that some of the um, landowners play. Is they'll open it up, but they'll keep the price high, and then you know nobody will want to uh, lease the space because of the high price, and that's when the uh, they get it filled with a non-compliant use. Okay, Teresa, do you have a comment? Uh, yeah, I was wondering, John, do you know, do they need ground level space or can it be a space that's like on a second story? Yeah, they, they need a uh, ground level space. They need roll up doors. Um, so yeah, it's it's sort of the typical industrial space that they need. And and generally they also need sufficient power to run their, their machinery um, as, you know, that power is in, in the, uh, the two properties that I was referring to, they do have that power. Okay. Any other discussion items here? All right. Thank you to the diversification subcommittee for um, advancing the ball. We have a lot of work to do uh, based on that conversation. So. Um, Walter, one of our action is to meet up with city staff. We'll coordinate with Heidi who best to do that with, okay? All right, um, at this time, we're gonna go to staff updates. And I'd like to see if um, our city manager is still with us. If so, if he has any updates for that. Hi, our city manager had to pop off um, this meeting for a few minutes. Um, so I'm not aware of any updates. But if you have any other questions um, that I'm able to answer, I'm, I'm happy to try to field them. 
Okay, this time it was really just updates from the city staff. And so, um, thank you, Heidi. Thank you for uh, covering for Chris while he can't uh, be with us at this point. Okay, so now we're going to go to our liaison updates, and I'm not going to make the same mistake. We're starting with our president CEO of the chamber. Um, so, uh, Julie, do you have any updates for us? Well, actually, I've been on vacation for two weeks, so I don't have any updates this time, but, but I will next time. Unless Teresa, um, as my board uh, vice chair, she may have something that transpired while I wasn't here that I don't know about. Uh, no, everything went smooth. No updates. Julie, do you, could you provide a quick update on the Visit California uh, effort? I, I think yes. there's some good initial results. Yes, yes. So I actually did uh, receive a report this morning. I haven't been able to look at the total report, but we are still receiving a very good response to our ads that are on um, Visit California and that our ad that is in the uh, roadmap. Uh, the roadmap is available online and in print. So we, so far up until this last report, have sent out over 400 re, uh, visitor packets and requests for more information about visiting Sausalito. So we have another four or five sheets of labels, which is what, 30 to a sheet? So um we have those to get out within this next week so we are getting really good results and then i did send the marketing committee um i believe scott the information that i got on the uptick in our visits to our website through those um, banner ads and so scott has that information to kind of take a look at and see um what's been going on and who's been looking I noticed that in this last list, we're receiving a lot of requests from Canada for more information. So on this list, last list we received, there was a lot of them from Canada. So that's kind of my update on Visit uh, California and our marketing efforts. Thank you, Julie. Okay, maybe we see if uh, our council liaisons uh, have any updates for us or input for us. Um, Vice Mayor. Thank you, uh, Chair Riley. Yeah, um, two updates, um, and Heidi, correct me if I get something wrong here, but um, the topic of parklets is going to come back to council uh, in two different formats. The first is going to be around uh, the existing permits and whether they expire um, and how, how we want to handle those as we're still in COVID, but coming out of COVID. So that will be on the agenda, I believe, at our next meeting. Um, and then further uh, along, I don't have a, a date certain, there'll be a more um, uh, robust plan of attack for a program around outdoor dining um, so we can achieve some consistency through our neighborhoods. So I'm sure Heidi will keep us all informed. Um, the other update I want to mention, Cass um, noted, and I agree that the information about what types of stores people might want was, was not a statistically significant uh, survey. But unfortunately, um, we are looking, as a city, we're looking into actually a software package or, or a consulting relationship um, to be able to execute on statistically significant surveys. And so I know Councilmember Sobieski and I are interested in using that for other things, such as um, the process you guys are undertaking here. So um, 
keep you informed on that. I think it'd be a great use case for you also. We really don't move forward with 80 responses, but instead we have, you know, 3,000 responses and then people can really get behind it. Um, and then I also just, um, you know, I, I want to agree with, uh, with what John DeRay was saying. You know, there are two things I think that make this community unique. Um, it's a waterfront community and we have the only light industrial micromanufacturing um, ecosystem in all of Southern Marin. And uh, it would be great to have a focus on building that out as a reputation for our community so we achieve economic diversification, but also really highlight what makes us unique as opposed to looking for ways to put the same stuff down there. Let's really rise that up and see how we can protect and evolve uh, that area along the lines of innovation zone, which I know some of you have embraced and looked forward to as well. So anything that we can do to help at the council, you know we will, but I'm excited for all the progress, so thanks. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Uh, we look forward to that uh, technology. Uh, These surveys have been very, very helpful. Um, Councilmember Sobieski. Yeah, maybe I'll just echo that. What the Vice Mayor is referring to is we are going to do a survey that's statistically significant from a professional firm as part of our uh, benchmarking effort to measure the performance of our city government. Uh, so we're going to do that annually. Uh, and measure results as they change from one year to the next. Uh, we have a firm that uh, can do this work and, uh, and we even have a quote that's affordable. Uh, so I think we're gonna move forward with that um, subject to the approval of the council. We can piggyback on that with additional questions. Additional questions cost money. Uh, so we shouldn't be um, lazy about the things we ask about but uh, you might think of what, if you had to stack rank the kinds of questions that you are gonna ask uh, in an opinion survey, what would be the top questions that you would ask? Um, I imagine there'll potentially be lots of people that wanna piggyback on this survey and it could easily get out of hand, uh, but it is an opportunity. So start thinking a little about what it is you would want to ask the residents of Sausalito uh, and the business owners of Sausalito. Uh, and then on a separate note, just a, you know, in, in the category of small wins that can sometimes make a big difference, I'll give a little shout out to city staff and share this picture, result of our city manager and uh, cutting through some red tape and also uh, Mark Langford and um, DPW restoring the power to the street, which then uh, our businesses on that street wrapped in lights. So Princess Street is now lit as you see and it makes a totally, total different experience, top notch. Uh, low hanging fruit and there's more of it in town. So the lighting of the streets project is not finished and uh, there are other phases yet to come. I thought you'd all like to see that as you will see as the days grow shorter and the nights are longer, this kind of little thing makes a difference than one's mood. So congratulations to our city staff and uh, city manager and local businesses for making this happen. I'll stop sharing. Beautiful photo. Thank you, Councilmember Sobieski. Thank you uh, to our liaisons for the updates uh, and for Heidi's uh, discussion. I do need to open up for public comment. Oh, sorry. Can I just say one thing that part of the Princess Street Lights was part of the, the Love Sausalito grants also went to help them with that light. So that's where all those donations came in and that helped several businesses on there. So that was part of Sausalito. Sausalito, uh, Love Sausalito grant program. So um, it does make a difference and we do we do appreciate everybody's um, support of that program 
and the money that has been donated for those grants. Thank you. And I agree with uh, Councilmember Sobieski. The little things do make a difference. Uh, that is exciting to see, and thanks for supporting that, Julie. Okay, um, we do need to open up to public comment for both uh, staff and liaison updates. So, Serge, can you let me know if any public have their hands up? Chair Riley, I see no hands raised for either item five, six, or seven. Great. Thank you for that. Um, item eight on our agenda is to talk about future agenda items. And we had circulated in the agenda the list of 30 items that came out of the Cosmont study, our land economic study. And we used that list uh, as a discussion item, oh, more than a year ago, to then go to city council, like, here's some things that we eat at or work on. Just recognizing that we're over time, and I want to make this efficient, what I was thinking of doing, you guys can respond back, is putting that list into a spreadsheet, sending that spreadsheet to each of the members, and having you fill out kind of your priority order projects that we can work on. And those can be sent back to me one-on-one, -on -one, and I can collate them. And then the next meeting, we can go through kind of our input in a structured format of what we think the top items are and have a discussion. And my idea then would be to take that, our recommendations, and present that to city council to get city council's direction, or we can get rely on our liaisons, but the direction of what other projects we may want to take on in addition to what we're doing. Does that seem like a fair process? Probably a more efficient way of doing it than, I got our secretary all thumbs up, so. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, keep us on track today and we can just look at a spreadsheet with our input uh, at the next meeting. Yes, John. Um, is there any reason why we would be limited to these 30? Um, I know they were, they were um, discussed and, and created even prior to COVID. Um, things have changed and I don't know, it just... Uh, okay. I, I, I think... There's nothing that limits us to those 30. So what I suggest we do is at the next meeting, if any of us has additional ideas, we introduce them. Or if you send it to me in that one-on-one -on -one communication, I can put them into the kind of the sheet we'll, we'll discuss in that meeting. And any new ideas, we can have a discussion and see if they rise to the top of a priority. So thank you, John. Okay, any, um, beyond that, um, any other items you'd like us to add to our agenda a month from now beyond following up on the items we discussed today? Typically within a week, I'll send a note to our city manager and our liaisons with a rough agenda looking for feedback. So if you wanna influence it, now's a good time. Okay. Coming out of this discussion, do feel free to reach out to me if you have any ideas, and, and we can try to get that inputted. But uh, for now, um, we'll follow up on all the actions we're working on, and we'll add a, a review of the 30-ish, or possibly more, um, other items, and I'll get that distributed in a spreadsheet.
It looks like Tom dropped off. <laughs> I think Tom lost his internet. Yeah, Cass, I think we lost Cass, him. Cass, this is your chance. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, keep going. I think I can adjourn. I think we, I want to add one thing before we adjourn. Okay, don't, go for it. Don't forget about Wednesday Night Live. The first music series is starting this Wednesday. I sent you a flyer, so everybody invite and have fun. You know, kick up your heels, have a drink, have dinner, enjoy the music. And Vice Chair Green, before you adjourn the meeting, we still need to um, go to number nine to set the next meeting date and time. I think that I won't have that responsibility because Tom's coming back. Tom's so back. Tom is coming right back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Welcome. Let me. Tom needs to be unmuted. Yeah, there he is. He's here. There he is. Tom, okay. Getting to you. Okay. Oh, hi. I, I jumped my phone. My iPad died, even though it's plugged in. It consumes more energy than it, it receives. So uh, I'm so sorry. Um, but we're at the end of our meeting. And um, uh, one final item was uh, Malcolm had asked for an alternate meeting time. And so I want to see if anyone has any proposals. I'm, I'm happy meeting from four to six or even in evenings, but uh, want to see if anyone else has restrictions. I, I would like to keep it on Mondays only because that's the easiest day of the week for me. Yes, agreed, Mondays. And I'd like to avoid evenings. Yes. Okay. I'm not opposed to three, three to five or four to six. Yeah. Four to six um, is so much easier, uh, at least for those of us in the boat business, um, and we still have to be on call from the East Coast. And um, if we're doing the business in Hawaii, it's really hard to have find one little slot that's not just super, super busy. Two to four is really tough. But if we could do a, let's try moving it down an hour um, and see how that works for everyone. Three to five. Sounds Any good. other comments? Tom, I do have a comment. And this yeah. is just a comment. I'm not advocating for it, but um, would it be possible to maybe once a quarter we have a meeting in the evening? Because I think there are residents and other people who are working at this time that would like to join our meeting. However, they cannot. And I, I have heard that from, from some people that it's difficult if they are working for them to attend these meetings. So they have to listen to it recorded afterwards and then it's another month before they can comment or they can't attend. So maybe once a quarter we have it, an evening meeting that will allow the public to be a part of it. I know none of us want more evening, evening meetings, but I'm just trying to get more participation from our residents and our business owners. I would suggest that we try that and see if it works. And if we don't get, you know, maybe try it a couple of times. And if we don't get more participation, we go back to the afternoons all the time. Okay, so um, why don't we do our next meeting in November? We'll do it from three to 5 p.m. to accommodate Malcolm's uh, time schedule and, and others. 
And then at that meeting, when we're deciding our December, we'll determine if that's when we want to do an evening meeting or if we wait until the January or February timeframe. But uh, Julie, I think we, I, I'm definitely available to accommodate evening meetings. And it just comes down to look at the calendar and this committee, if it can accommodate an evening meeting on that specific date. Um, so so we will- Putting forth the idea that I've heard from- Yeah, from no. It's, I mean, we had great public comment at this meeting, right? So it'd be nice to get other um, other folks I've, involved. I've noticed an increase in people attending city council meetings via Zoom at night. Uh, so it would be nice to have that same participation for us. Agreed. So, okay, our next meeting we'll do from three to 5 p.m. And then at that meeting, we'll just determine when our next evening meeting will take place all right um with that uh, we're at time of adjournment uh, we're 15 minutes over i keep trying to uh keep us to our two hour time limit um i apologize for going over but i thank everyone for uh, joining this meeting and uh, i have some homework to send out to you but uh, we look forward to our next discussion thank you all thank you